And we're back with another episode of Fantasyland, the fantasy football podcast where we talk about everything the experts won't. I'm Michael Fumafredo with Coast to Coast Sports. Last week, we did our first mock draft of the season, and I think it went really well. We had the number one pick. It was a 10-man PPR league, 15 rounds, and we put together a pretty solid team. Christian McCaffrey, obviously our number one pick. Round out with a few great picks. I had Justin Jefferson uh, in the third round, top of the third. Uh, Matthew Stafford actually was, fell all the way to the 12th round for me. He was my starting quarterback. And just all around a very solid team. I think I picked the guys I'm very confident in this season. I don't have really that many, I'd say, guys that I think are breakout candidates, aside from maybe Chase Edmonds. But definitely a very safe draft. And if everything pans out like it's supposed to this season, I felt like this team would have a shot to really win. But I definitely learned a lot from this mock draft in terms of where guys are going who I'm going to get in which round. But I wanted to take a deep dive because just with the chance I don't have the first pick in the draft, I wanted to look and see where guys are going, in which rounds. Are they middle-round guys? Are they late-round guys, early-round guys? All that. I also wanted to see if I missed on anyone, if there was somebody I should have taken earlier, a position I should have taken earlier. Maybe I felt like quarterback I could have taken a little earlier just because I know a lot of guys in my league like to draft a backup quarterback uh, maybe tight end same way but out of the 150 picks that were taken in this mock draft I broke down a couple this week five that I really liked five and that I didn't really like so we'll go back and forth with them let's just see but what I mean by when I like a pick, do I think this guy's going to go higher a month from now? You know, a lot can change over the course of July and August in terms of guys' ADPs, what happens in the preseason, a training camp, a lot of injuries could affect it. I know there's still the Aaron Rodgers drama that's going on, which could really change. And we'll talk a lot about that in terms of some of the guys that I liked and disliked in this draft. But there are people drafting right now, and this is the ADPs and the mock drafts that they're going to be working with. So if you're drafting, say, a week or two, this is pre pretty much what you're going to be looking at. And in terms of these guys, like some guys that I think were 13th or to the 10th rounds that I think could have been drafted in those middle rounds, maybe 6 to 10. And... Also, something I took into consideration is, did I like the pick for the team? You know, sometimes some someone gets a wide receiver two, possibly, that ends up being their flex guy or their wide receiver three. Same with running backs. Maybe they paired a tight end, got a tight end early, but they still took a sleeper in a later round that could end up being a real steal for them as a starter throughout the season. And for dislikes, I felt like it's a little more complicated you know, there's a lot of things to consider. First and foremost, was the player a reach? Do I think they could have taken a position that they needed at an earlier time, but they ended up taking one of the better tight ends on the board? Are they? Is the player going to be overrated? Do I think a guy's not going to have a great season, but their ADP has them being drafted? You know it always happens. I've been a victim of it. My friends have been victims of it. Uh, it's not, it doesn't mean I think this guy's going to be a bust. I think it's just, they're being a little overvalued and 
it's, it might not work out for them. They could be a bust. Another thing I went and looked at was at certain picks, what is the team in a spot where they could have taken a player? For example, does a team wait for, an, for a running back two, but they ended up taking a tight end and a quarterback instead and it really messes up their team because they're, they're starting running backs not as good as the rest of the league. And, yeah, just stuff like that. One of the teams in this league, I think they had the ninth pick, or the eighth pick, actually. Uh, they went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback to start off the re- to start off the draft. And then their starting two running backs ended up being Travis Etienne and Miles Gaskin. And if I'm drafting a fantasy team, I am going to be very concerned if those are my two running backs, considering they really went past the 20th. Uh, running back taken so in a 10-man league that means you don't get a legitimate RB2 to start the season or an RB1 for that matter but this team definitely really didn't it doesn't work in my eyes I think they struggle at the running back position they have a lot of guys that aren't really going to pan out David Johnson James Conner and Jamal Williams are the other guys on that roster and then just the wide receivers they ended up taking. They got Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, but they could have taken a guy like J.K. Dobbins in the third round as their starting running back, or even Chris Carson, David Montgomery, who went before them in the fifth round instead of Josh Allen in the fourth round. So it, it's, it's a little hard to see on a podcast what I mean, but just know you got to be taking running backs early. They flew off the board in this one. The top 16... 16 of the first 20 picks, I believe, uh, 15, somewhere in that range, those were all running backs. So six teams actually ended up with their starting running back combos before round three. And, yeah, you're going to be wanting to get a guy in the top 20 at the running back position early. They're not going to fall to you. You can't really wait like recent years. But let's get started on some of the picks I did like. And we'll start off in order. We're going number five. I have the Damian Harris selection at the 10-7 spot. He was the running back 36 off the board. And we talked about him a few weeks ago with this Patriots offense, how I think it's going to pan out. I think a lot of people don't trust the Bill Belichick running back system. We've seen it fail in years past. But towards the end of last season, Damian Harris started to show that he could really be a workhorse back in this league. I think he has tremendous breakout potential if he gets his reps. And he's going to be a guy that, even as the preseason goes on, is going to stay in that later round spot just because people are unsure about the Bill Belichick scheme. You know, James White's still on the roster. Sony Michelle, a first-rounder from a few years back. Those guys are going to be competing for touches as well. Damian Harris out of Alabama last year, he wasn't really a pass catcher in college and in the NFL, but so I know it kind of stinks if you're in a PPR league, but Damian Harris is going to get a workload. He's going to get touches. He's going to score the ball, and that's really what you're looking for in fantasy football, but he's going to he's the RB4 on this roster, and with guys like Saquon Barkley who's returning for an injury, Miles Sanders and Melvin Gordon who we're not sure about, you might be find, finding yourself in a situation where 
you're going to be struggling at that RB2 position possibly, and Damian Harris is going to be a great guy that you could possibly fill in hopefully. So if you're looking for a 10th round steal, maybe even take him in the 8th or 9th round just to secure him, Damian Harris is going to be a stud this year. Starting off with my number 5 dislikes though, TJ Hawkinson went back of the 9th round. He was the tight end 6 off the board in the 9-8 spot to the team that had the three wide receivers, but TJ Hawkinson finished as the tight end in the top half of the tight ends this year. He was, I think it was tight end five or six, depending on your league format, but he's always that drafted as such, even a little bit higher in some years. And he hasn't really panned out the way you expect, you know, he goes off some games. He'll have a dud one week. And even though he was the tight end five this year, He's going to be in a new system, new head coach, Dan Campbell, new quarterback in Jared Goff. And this is a Lions team that's really not going to be that good this year. You know, they're in a rebuilding stage once again. They got rid of Matt Stafford, so that era is over. But if you're going to – this guy definitely fell victim to the fact that he said, the top guys are off the board at tight end. I missed out. I need a tight end. Let me take TJ Hawkinson. And at this point, I can't really be talking because 12 picks later, I actually went and took Dallas Goddard, who was the tight end seven off the board. But even with that, I mean, TJ, I think Dallas Goddard has some upside. And, I'm, and I'll be a guy that could stream a tight end. TJ Hawkinson, you're taking, if you're taking a guy in the ninth or even, like the first half of the draft, maybe even ninth round, these are guys that you're investing a lot in. And TJ Hawkinson's a guy that you might not want to invest a lot in. You might, might try and trade him after a good week if he's playing a couple good teams in a row. He could not really pan out at all, and now you're stuck with him because you took him so early. Aside from like five games of Tyler Higby's career, Jared Goff really didn't use the tight end, and... With Kenny Galladay gone, TJ Hawkinson is a top option, but I just don't see a great season from him. Another reason I don't like this pick is because they took Robert Tunyon in the third round this team. So now you have two tight ends, both gambles. Tunyon, right now, as of right now, still has Aaron Rodgers thrown to him, and he was one of Rodgers' top targets. So if Rodgers is playing in Green Bay... Robert Tunyon's going to be a starting tight end in most leagues. And now you just kind of wasted your ninth round pick where we said this team was struggling at the running back position. They could have taken a gamble on Trey Sermon. Ronald Jones went after him. Even Leonard Fournette or Damian Harris could have been a solid pick for that team in the round in the nine, eight spot. So that's it's, it really depends on how the season pans out, but I don't think TJ Hawkinson's going to be, Okay, that's all that this season. But let's go back to the positives. Cortland Sutton at the 8-6 spot, wide receiver 35 off the board, goes to a team that had already drafted four receivers prior. And at that eighth round, you're looking for – this is when you start looking for your upside guys. Cortland Sutton, you know, coming back from injury, I believe he has wide receiver two potential. He's got Teddy Bridgewater throwing in the football right now. I think he was on pace having a very good year before the injury. 
And with that said, he's going to be an afterthought in most leagues like I feel like he was here. He went in the same range as guys like Brandon Cooks, Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Juju. All all those guys are really, I think, guys that were drafted at their ceiling. And Cortland Sutton's a guy that was kind of drafted at his floor. And I I don't like that he took uh, Jerry Judy, his the other receiver in Denver, in the ninth round. But, you know, these guys are both going to be backups in the league, in on this team, week one probably. They have A.J. Brown, Mike Evans, and Adam Thielen. So, Cortland Sutton might only be a bi-week filler unless he starts performing really well. The other three guys ahead of him on the roster are performing as well. You have a very good trade piece, if not a starter, in Cortland Sutton. The other thing, though, is Aaron Rodgers is being mocked to the Denver Broncos as well. So, if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to Denver, Cortland Sutton's value shoots up. If you're drafting in August, the trade happens sooner rather than later. Sutton's going to go a lot higher in drafts. But if you're drafting now, Cortland Sutton in the eighth round, you got yourself a steal. But because it flows nicely, we're not going to go back to the uh, dislikes for a moment. We're going to go to another liked pick that I had. For the same reason, it's Josh Jacobs, who was taken at the 5-9 slot. And Aaron Rodgers also being mocked to the Las Vegas Raiders as well. So between them and the Broncos, it really dep- it he could end up on either one of those teams right now it looks like or stay in Green Bay. If Josh Jacobs was drafted as the running back 21 and I I don't understand why. Are people really that concerned about Kenyon Drake coming in and taking his carries? And you know, with that, I mentioned it before, uh, six out of the ten teams in this league had their RB2 hammered down before uh, the third round even started. Eight of them finished it off in round three. And you're telling me that Josh Jacobs, a guy that I believe has RB1 potential if the offense in Vegas performs, was drafted as an RB3? You got to be kidding me here. I mean, I would take Josh Jacobs in round three or four if I had the opportunity, but I think for some reason he's falling down draft boards this season, and he could end up being a steal. You know, Chris Carson, a guy I drafted in the fifth round, was another guy in this spot. But David Montgomery and Travis Etienne went right before Jacobs, and I think he's a guy that could have a better year than both of those players. So Josh Jacobs is going to be drafted as a flex, it looks like, this year. But, you know, here's a situation where you end up getting a later pick, let's say. Say you take a guy like Austin Eckler, pair him with a wide receiver in round two, maybe even struggle to find a position in round three, so you maybe go Patrick Mahomes or George Kittle, something like that. Now you're in a position where you need an RB2, you could definitely scoop up Josh Jacobs in that fourth or fifth round early. And that's what I think could be a very significant strategy that you see in a lot of leagues where guys like to keep it balanced on their team. Back to the dislikes, though. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Aaron Rodgers in the back of the seventh round. He went 7-10. Quarterback 8 off the board. 
I don't understand it at this point just because of the uncertainty surrounding him. I think it feels forced, this pick. You know, in the sixth round of this draft, you had Kyler Murray go, Dak Prescott, and Russell Wilson. Lamar Jackson was the third quarterback taken off the board at number in round five. And Justin Herbert was taken in the seventh round earlier. So seven quarterbacks off the board. This guy fell victim to the quarterback round, like the run that kind of happened in round six. And he panicked, I guess, took Aaron Rodgers with that seventh round pick probably two or three rounds earlier than he should be just because of the uncertainty with him right now. If something comes out where Aaron Rodgers says he's going to play in Green Bay or he gets traded to either Denver or Las Vegas, then I see his ADP shooting up. But don't feel forced to draft a quarterback just because you see seven of them go off the board. That really means three guys are left to take a quarterback. So you're going to get a top 10 quarterback either way, it looks like, unless you really, really start to wait. You know, I let's look at round 12 right now. Ryan Tannehill was taken at the top of the round by the same team. Uh, Tom Brady went, Jalen Hurts went, and then I took Matthew Stafford, a guy who I think is going to be better than all th- three of those guys. So there's no need to, t- to rush on taking a quarterback just because everyone else in the league did take a quarterback. Now, will I have to wait this long to take a quarterback in my real draft? Probably not. I think, like I said, guys like to take backup quarterbacks. It's not a decision I make. I don't think you really need one. But in the event that they do, you know, I might probably use a 10th round pick rather than a 12th round pick on a quarterback. Uh, Speaking of the Ryan Tannehill pick as his backup, same thing as the TJ Hawkinson pick. I think Tannehill's set up to have a great year. If Aaron Rodgers holds out and you're forced to start Tannehill, you you wasted a seventh-round pick where you could have, let's see, this team kind of needed a wide receiver at the time. They had DJ Chark, Debo Samuel, Cortland Sutton, Juju, all those guys, even if they wanted to take a gamble on James Robinson, all guys they could have taken in that spot over Aaron Rodgers. Let's keep it even, though. We're going to go with another dislike here and... This is a weird one because I like the guy that he picked, but I don't like why he picked him. And that's Cooper Cup who went in the 5-3 spot. I said in, I think it was week one or two of the show, that Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to be studs this year. Both of them could have top 20 finishes. I said could though. I'm not guaranteeing it and I don't know how it's going to work out. I think it's a high possibility. But this guy drafted Robert Woods in round four. And then one round later drafted his uh, teammate, Cooper Cup. Now, I've seen, t- I've done it before where I've stacked maybe a quarterback, a running back, a quarterback, a wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, all those. But I've never had two of the same guys at the same position on the same team unless it's a running back handcuff. Let alone starting both guys Cooper Cup on this team would be probably the week one flex option. And the rest of the team, Javante Williams is the running back three. Michael Carter running back four. They also have Curtis Samuel and Marquise Brown, who I don't think are going to contribute right away. So week one, this guy's starting two guys on that Rams offense. 
will it work? I don't know, but the way this Rams team is set up, those are the two guys. And if one of them gets hurt, you could see a scenario where it's the guy that nobody has taking a lot of the, t- the reps and touches because teams are focusing on either Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, whichever one's healthy on the field. I'd stay away from this strategy unless it's a running back handcuff or a quarterback and another player. Don't be that guy who stacks up the wide receiver position. It's not going to work out for you that much. Uh, Back to the likes, though. I'm going to be a little bit of a homer on this one. I picked Henry Ruggs in round 13. And I think this is the steal of the draft. He was the wide receiver 55. So in a in a perfect world where a team maybe has five wide receivers, five running backs, Henry Ruggs isn't even on a team. He was my he was my wide receiver five. I ended up taking five wide receivers and five running backs. A lot of teams didn't, it looks like, but Henry Ruggs was the third to last uh wide receiver off the board and I just find that crazy I think he's a guy that's gonna take a huge step this year he's a guy that if he gets Aaron Rodgers like I mentioned earlier he's gonna have an even better year but this is a guy I think could be a weekly start as the season goes on maybe some guys get injured on my team maybe I trade some guys and I'm looking for an extra receiver but I said rounds 10 to 13, you're really looking for guys that you could drop if need be. And I don't think I'd drop Henry Ruggs right away week one if he doesn't pan out. I think this is a guy you give him some time. You, He's got a year with uh, Derek Carr already. I think he has a great year. And that's why I think his ADP is very low at this time. Look for him in the later rounds of your draft, and you will thank me later. Got back to the dislike category. We got two more dislikes and one my favorite pick of the entire draft. But we're going to start off with a first-round pick, and that's Jonathan Taylor, the running back six off the board, sixth overall selection. Let me tell you, I'm shocked to see him going this high. Same with Cam Akers, who went in the 2-6 uh, uh, spot around later, but I think Cam Akers has a lot more upside than Jonathan Taylor this year. Considering last year when we were looking at the running back position, you had guys like, I believe it was McCaffrey at one. Uh, People were taking Saquon Barkley at two, Kamara, uh, Zeke. Then it really came down to Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. And those guys actually finished as, I believe, probably one and two at the running back position this year. So you're telling me that Jonathan Taylor could be on the level of those guys? I don't know. Especially because the first round, this is your guy. You're putting the team on their back pretty much. This is the guy that you expect to score the most points week after week. The guy that you're basing your team around. The rest of your draft goes up based on this guy. Jonathan Taylor is a little bit of a gamble for me this year. Just because... We saw what he did last year against really weak teams. Those are really when he had his best weeks. And, you know, same thing. New co- new offense with Kurt, uh, Carson Wentz. 
Uh, you still got Naheem Hines on the roster. We don't know what's going to go on with Marlon Mack, if he's coming back or not, but that's another guy you got to add into the mix, possibly. And for me, just, he's only been in the league one year. He, I, he was pretty much started as a flex in most leagues last year, and to take that jump from a flex to a RB1 is huge. So I'd probably stay away from a gamble in the first round and go with a more proven guy like Austin Eckler, like Nick Chubb. I don't know about Aaron Jones, but it may be even Aaron Jones if you're if you're really thin at the position in the later rounds. I just don't think it's worth taking the gamble on a guy that could have a very low floor but a high ceiling. And same thing goes for my final dislike because round two, I did it a few years back with Christian McCaffrey when I took him. And he ended up having a phenomenal year. But a guy like DeAndre Swift is mind-boggling to me because he has that low floor. Like I said, I drafted Christian McCaffrey in that second round after his... I think this was his second year in the league. But he was a guy who... We didn't know what his ceiling was, but we knew he would have a pretty decent floor. He wasn't going to be a huge bust. I think DeAndre Swift with the Detroit Lions this year has extreme bust potential. He finished as the RB21 last year, but now he, I think this team's taken a step back. They had to upgrade the offensive line because it wasn't f fantastic last year. Uh, the Lions kind of split their running back time last season. And Adrian Peterson, of all people, was getting a lot of goal line work over DeAndre Swift. So, what do you, we bring in the younger, probably better at this point in time, Jamal Williams, who took significant work away from a better running back in Aaron Jones? You pair him with DeAndre Swift, who split time already, I don't think that's going to be enough to really give Swift what he needs to make that jump to a bona fide RB2, a guy that you're confident drafting in that second round. So I think you really got to drop this guy to where Josh Jacobs is being drafted in that fourth or fifth round. And at that point, you may get yourself a steal, but I think the floor is just too low for DeAndre Swift to be taking him this high in the draft. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went earlier than him. Antonio Gibson went earlier than them. I think those guys got higher floors and about the same ceiling. So would you rather take a guy that's got a similar ceiling and a higher floor or the guy that's got the lower floor? And that's what I think is going to happen with DeAndre Swift and Drafts. Stay away from him. I'd stay away from Jonathan Taylor unless he falls to you in the second round. But other than that, these are gambles that I'm not willing to take at this point. And finally, for my best pick, my favorite pick in the draft, this isn't one I made, just so we're not biased here, but Julio Jones was picked with the fourth pick of the fourth round behind guys like Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, and his teammate, A.J. Brown, who was taken in the third. And I talked about this last week when we said it, Calvin Ridley, you know, with Julio on the field was a much better player. A.J. Brown had a great year last year, but 
I don't think I still think Julio Jones is gonna be the number one on the team. The number one guy in targets, catches, possibly touchdowns, although Julio's not really known for scoring that many touchdowns. But I'd still expect a big year out of him, a big year for this whole Titans offense, even A.J. Brown. But if I'm looking at Julio Jones, who hasn't really been the guy he's been in the past few years, I think with this fresh start, he could potentially have wide receiver one numbers. And I really like why, when this team took him. They saw him falling. They didn't have a wide receiver to this point in the draft. So they take Julio Jones, who's a safe pick. You know, they didn't take a gamble on a guy like Amari Cooper, who went earlier, Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, who uh, Mike Evans hasn't really been the same as most recent years. Terry McLaurin's got Ryan Fitzpatrick thrown to him now, so I don't know how that'll work. And Amari Cooper, I think he loses some time to CeeDee Lamb this year. So you went with a safe pick. Got Julio, who fell to you. And I think you're going to be very happy if you can get Julio Jones this late. He's a borderline wide receiver one, like I said. But if you get him at your wide receiver two position, or even if you're if you're very wide receiver heavy, he could be your wide receiver three or flex play. And that's just insane to me if you can stack up a receiving core like that. But just to wrap up here, just some final thoughts I've had. I think you stay away from bad teams this year, especially at positions where they got a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, especially the running back position where it could be a committee. I don't think you take the gambles on those early running backs. You're looking for guys that are going to fall or that they have breakout potential. Their ADP is going to be a lot lower than where I think they'll finish. But, We'll talk about that in later episodes. Not so much this week because next week we'll be doing a little bit of ranking. We're going to start at the quarterback position. And I'm going to wrap I'm going to start off with my new ranking system kind of including quarterback categories. What does that mean? You'll just have to stay tuned and find out next week on Fantasyland, the fantasy football podcast where we talk about all the things the experts won't once again, I'm Michael Fumafredo signing off with Coast to Coast Sports. We'll see you next week.